We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? What a night. Uh, Pete joined by Darius and Mike here on the Laker Film Room podcast. Lakers sent Pal Gasol's jersey to its rightful place up in the rafters last night next to Kobe and picked up a big time win. There was blood, sweat and tears and the most electric Laker crowd I've heard in a minute, Mike. And of all the energy and and both in game at halftime Pal's speech, I was working the game, right, as we all were. Um, And so I didn't get to really listen to it until afterward and late last night after we'd already won. And just Powell's speech was so good. Had me in tears, man. And then Anthony Davis bleeding and patched up with gauze coming out of his nose. Freaking 30 and 22. Looks like an absolute monster. Mike, of all the cool things that we see on TV, there's plenty more that happens on the ground, man. So paint us the picture of just a great Laker night. Yeah, the energy in the building is the place to start. And of course, POW is the biggest reason for that. But there's also this buzz in this appreciation for the way that the Lakers have been playing since the trade deadline. And just a, a not desperate, but a very eager Laker fandom or Laker crowd, Laker fan base, I think, to just to have this chance to do something um, after mm-hmm. what is what have really been a couple of tough years. And you know, last night I think was a was a really good example of it. But it's been since the since that trade deadline. It's we all know the record now. They're seven and three. They're five and two out of the break. Asked Anthony Davis why, and he said the biggest thing has been the defense, uh, and he is of course the biggest reason for the defense, while also averaging thirty whatever points on high efficiency and doing everything <laughs> else on the other end. So he has really shown, and I, like he's gotten right back to that form that he was in uh, when he was in those kind of from afar. MVP type discussions, even though his team record was going to keep him out of it in terms of just who's playing the best basketball in the league right now. Davis is certainly right back in that conversation. And, you know, Austin Reeves, I think, summed this up, too, in the walk off and then in his post game there, the way that they're playing together, I think, has energized them also. And Jared Vanderbilt gets a big stake in that for how he's playing defense with the starters. 
And then just how hard Schroeder is playing, how Troy Brown, we talked about last podcast, that there's a lot of names to mention um, out of this group. And they've been doing it, guys. The 7-3 and three is with LeBron James having played three games. They won all three. And D'Angelo Russell playing four games. And they went three and one in those games. And that is a that's it's all been against the Western Conference, um, all all of these games. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's now put the Lakers in as uh, Pete we discussed yesterday um, on the pod that the, like the Lakers have have basically set themselves up to be in good shape for the nine seed. But if they keep winning games like they did last night, you know, then and then you start to think you start to have even different thoughts as, as the Timberwolves lost, even though they look great and then they go home and lose. And then what's going to keep happening with the Clippers, right? Since, since Russ has been there. So there's a lot of these things that have been opening up. Mike, we woke up today as the nine seed, the first time all season that we woke up above that little line on NBA.com or ESPN, wherever you choose to look at your standings. So we should absolutely be shooting higher than that. When AD was asked about that in post game last night and like Jovan asked him and like, are you excited about it or something to that effect? And AD was like, I guess, you know, and it just speaks to a level of we should be shooting way higher than that. We're already at nine now in two days or after Friday or whatever. Could we be in 13? (laughs) Absolutely. It's so bunched up. Right. But in terms of getting out of the two and ten hole. I feel like this is sort of the arrival of that. It's one of those things like a game D where you were down 15, 20 early on, been scratching and clawing back, and you just hit that three to tie the game, the D fish uh, wing three to tie it up after you've been down and, and not able to hit a shot all night. And so we're there, man. Our future's in our own hands. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, man, and on just a, an exciting night. It really was a great night. I want to separate the game which was exciting as all get it out from like the pal stuff which yeah. like and these things are obviously linked the game itself ad establishing himself early like a first quarter basically a first quarter double double he had 13 and 9 he was dominating inside on both ends of the court, dudes were trying to attack him. I thought Darvin has been like, look, Darvin's been maligned on the internet. So if you're on the internet and you follow the Lakers, you know that Darvin catches strays almost every game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the Lakers win or they lose. Someone's going to nitpick stuff. And I'm not here to like rebuff any of that. I'm just here to say that he's done some interesting things with this new group. And one of the things that he's been doing is, is he's been putting Anthony Davis on the non score. So he put AD on Tillman to start the game. And he put Vanderbilt on triple J Mm -hmm. and that allowed AD to roam around the paint and play off of the non scorer. And he, and he's done this now for a few straight games playing against the Warriors. He did this against Looney and Draymond, but every game they're trying to put him on the non-offensive player, Pete. And it's allowed, it's unlocked him defensively in ways where he's just always around the basket. He's always contesting shots. And when his dude tries to be like, well, I'm the guy that's open. Let me try to go do something against Anthony Davis. It's just like, no, bro, you're not scoring on me. Like, I'm just going to deter your shot. And then we're running out. And that that one little that's just one adjustment in a string of many. But like that to me, to start the game 
he propelled the team forward in in a way and locked them into like, no, we're in this all night. And it was frustrating the middle parts, but like just the game itself, I'm just like, oh, look, like AD, you're yeah. that dude right now. And, and like, we praise him every pod, but it's just like, we, we can hey, talk man. for 30 he plays minutes like this. again, just on AD. He, he plays like this. We are going to praise him every pod. Sorry if it's going to be repetitive and boring. You put up 30 and 22. Your coach is calling you Wilt after the game, uh, as he's brought up a couple times, Mike. And that, like, Darwin's musing on that, to me, is it speaks to AD's ability to affect every play. There was a stretch in that first quarter where, first off, as you brought up to lead the show, we're very much in a defensive space right now it makes sense how that's how we're going to be able to win without our two best ball handlers how we defend is right near the top and there was a stretch where ad was defending in the manner that darius was just describing and it's funny because that's how jaron jackson jr defends playing memphis is sort of looking in the mirror they run the same stuff that we do and so that whole guarding the guy that's not the scorer but being omnipresent around the rim defensively and we're going to press up on you and that's been one of the big adjustments i've seen mike is that on the perimeter we're being more aggressive we're conceding more uh fewer threes darvin's talking about making them play inside the three-point line against a team that likes to attack the paint. So yeah, to, to that point, we're, we're changing into what we're going to be and we're still managing to win some games while we do it. Yeah, there have been so many different identities this year and I think a lot of them have, have come in earnest and out of necessity and out of yep. guys that have been either not there or not there in terms of on the roster, like at the beginning of the season or then not there in terms of just health. And that's what happened like when AD went down and now currently without LeBron and Russell and if Russell does indeed play on Friday then how does that shift things uh, back a little bit more in that starting lineup because then mm -hmm. if Schroeder is going back to the bench then you're getting away a little bit from some of that ball pressure and some of that uh, just sort of harassing up the court but you're gaining a lot of skill you know and then it's going to be Russell and AD trying to figure out the pick and roll again but let me kind of put that aside for a second and I also, by the way, Pete, I teased that we were going to talk POW, so I, I want to acknowledge for those, we we will we will definitely do a full POW episode at some point, yeah. but there's so much going on in this game and with where the team is, right, mm -hmm. that we, we just sort of have to discuss all of that. And the Davis part of it, after the game, the first thing I asked him was just sort of where mindset-wise, you know, what, has there been any, has there been anything that has changed some for you? And knowing that LeBron was out and knowing where the team had to go. And I don't think that AD really looks at things that way. I think that for him, it's more just that if he's been on the court for a certain amount of time and he's able to get into a certain rhythm, then his confidence goes along with that and how aggressive he is goes along with that. And that's the stage that he's at right now with his body. And I, 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 I can push back against that a little bit and say, cause he clearly has been more aggressive. He clearly has been, mm -hmm. um, more his offensive game has been a little angrier which i've loved uh, his yeah. rebounding has been a little angrier um which has been terrific and it just it's another reminder like we had early in the season once russell and lebron come back to not go away from that you know to not mm -hmm. you know to not de-emphasize that for for want of more whatever it is the guy the primary creator that has it and it's part of the reason why i think that austin reeves has been such a key emerging person in this as well and that the he can have more usage on the ball but he's going to try to use a lot of that still to get somebody else going and to try to get somebody else the ball more um like he had five assists in the first half and 
that's the thing that 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 next level that they try to get to with what this current identity is and then reintegrating Russell first, uh, I'm curious about, but I, I do think that it can, that there are some important lessons, Pete, that have been learned here that, that need to be recognized, right. As the, as the, these final, what is it? 17 more games come 16. Yep. You know, we're in it, man. And this, uh, We've played 700 basketball during this stretch, and that's a mark that we that is always kind of you're a championship contender if you're at 700 ball or better. I'm not saying 10 games of this means we're a contender, but I will say that I think it's becoming more and more evident that you know this team has something and it has an opportunity in front of it that perhaps was was difficult to see earlier in the year, but we're in a good space in large part because of that angrier play from Anthony Davis D. I, I love that descriptor from Mike on his scoring, on his rebounding. And he's become, you know, I, I said earlier in the year that he was Atlas in that he was holding our world up in and we needed it to be held up. It was a, it was a roster with seven guards on it. There were a couple of guys that were out, both Dennis and TB early in the year. We needed a stabilizing force just as we were kind of getting our, our act together. But now is a different point of the year where the pieces fit better. We have better pieces in, in general. And there's a much greater sense of urgency where there is a baseline level of play that the supporting cast is capable of having. But Anthony Davis's dominance from play to play makes everybody else's job so much easier that he's not holding us up so much as being the centerpiece, the sun that we all orbit around. And it's just been, I, I mean, we'll talk about him every pod, man, if, if he plays like this. This is the main idea around slotting that I talk about all of the time. Like when you have an elite player who is inconsistent and unable to reach a certain baseline, like there's a base, there's a median level of play, right? And when you're a superstar, that median level is pretty high. But mm -hmm. if you are two games at above the median and two games under, and then four games over, and then two games under, and then like, oh, three games over, and then three games under, it's just like the, the ask on the surrounding players is tricky because they then have they then find themselves having to carry a certain burden every night or reach a certain level on certain nights. And it's just like accessing that is hard when you're a role player. You don't have the ability to continuously meet your median. You're going to be above and below it way more like your line mm -hmm. is going to be like you're going to be up and down so, so much. Dennis is like sort of an interesting example of this where some nights he's like, oh, look at Dennis. He had 24 points on seven for 11 shooting. And then another night he's five for 15. But AD is now operating at a level where he's above his median almost every single night, right? And that allows other players to just find their comfort zone in. All I have to do are these specific things. I don't have to play above and beyond. I'm just going to play my game. I'm not convinced, though, that this isn't his median when he's healthy, right? Like, it takes him a while. We've seen the same pattern emerge over and over again where it takes him, like Mike said a couple pods ago, about a month to get all the way up there. But when every time he's had this much uh, much warm-up time this season, he's played at this level pretty much, I mean, 80% of the time plus. And so, I don't know, man, like, 
it just changes the way that I look at the team in, in that he's so good that he can break the game in ways where it's like, we got a bunch of solid role players. We could really do something. Well, to be fair, he's at like 27 points or 26 points a game, 12 and a half rebounds, two blocks. Like that's his season averages, right? And so you're not wrong when saying like, hey, like yeah. he's great, like almost every night because look at his averages. But 30 and 22 and 38 and whatever and 39 like these are these are above these are above even his crazy standard. He missed an he entire said. shift. He got bashed right in the face and got a fingernail or something that lacerated his nose. There's blood everywhere. He's got to go back to the locker room to get that. And I'm just like, Gee. and and so he misses an entire shift that he was supposed to play and is still putting up a 30 and 22 that, I, I don't know, like his season averages sort of belie to me the player that he can consistently be and that he's consistently been when he's just healthy, you know? And to that point, though, this is the point that I'm making around what the role play like the ask of the role players then isn't so much like oh i've got to go do this and go do that it's more like this dude is this dude is playing at such a high level that it opens up and allows everyone else mm -hmm. to play to their strengths which then makes them look like better players like one of the things that i thought that pal said that was so so great in particularly around talking about Kobe when and this was both before the game during his press conference and and during his speech was that idea of Kobe set a standard with his own play and with what he brought every game and that allowed others me especially to sort That's of right. go and play to my ability and it mm -hmm. drove me to play to my ability too when you see this other dude putting in the work and playing to that level and I'm not comparing AD to Kobe in this instance. I'm I'm just saying that when you have a guy that is consistently like, no, man, I'm at a 10, a 10, a 10. Sometimes out of 10, I'm at a 12 or a 13 or a 14, like some of these recent games that, that he's been hitting. Then everyone else is just like, well, I'm going to get after it, too. Like I'm and then, Mike, you mix it with all of the urgency around the team. It's just like you've got this nice elixir of we're going to come out and compete and play to a level that I don't know if other teams are expecting this level from from the Lakers every night. And, and it's making for good basketball. They're down two of their best offensive players and, and they're just like, OK, well, this is our identity now. We're going to grind it out defensively. We're going to go through through AD and these guys are going to play free and loose on on offense, too. It's it's great to watch this team start to come together. Well, just two points before we break. And the first one is a little bit of a mitigating type of a comment in that the Lakers have pushed the desperation button as well. They need to and as well, they should. And several other teams that they've been playing have not uh, for either for reason of need or just because of where they are in the standings. And that that has given the Lakers, I think, an edge. And that's part of the reason why the defensive rating is as high as it is relative to the rest of the league. Uh, so it's I I'm not saying they don't deserve these wins. They absolutely do. But I, I think that's as this month goes on, it is hard to continue to play with more energy and desperation than the opponent every night. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. And the second thing, though, is that I think Russell can fit in pretty well to 
the way that AD is playing right now. Uh, and he's not going to come in and take necessarily too much usage out of him. AD is clearly going to still be the guy to run everything through and maybe some of the shooting and spacing that he can create around that and in, in doing running the screen roll with him really works as well. So I'm eager to see that and hope that, you know, that Russell then can come back and kind of stay on the floor. And then maybe that, that gives them a little bit more of a skill element on offense and they don't have to just, you know, play that, I, of course, again, still want them to, but play that to to totally rely on this balls to the wall, really difficult to maintain sometimes um, defense for the rest of these for the rest of the month. Let's take a break when we come back. I want to talk about that and then get into some of that offense that we're seeing emerge. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So while other teams may have not pressed the desperation button, they have such an advantage in terms of continuity. We basically have strangers that are learning how to play each other. I don't know if you've ever had a crew of guys that you played basketball with consistently, but that's a huge advantage when you just know how to play with each other. And every other team that hasn't pressed the desperation button just has a level of continuity that we won't even, won't approach by the end of this year. I was just simply there's old man game like individually, but then there's also old man game in terms of like a crew of guys that knows how to play. Right. Yeah. At the, at the gym. Absolutely. Basketball is way more of a cerebral sport than people realize. And there's so many decisions that you're making within that, that, uh, that if you know the correct one to make, or if you know what that guy's going to do, you know, when he's going to cut, you know, where he likes to catch, catch the ball, all of these things really factor into each other. And we started out that game yesterday with a bunch of turnovers in the first shift. And a couple of them were like, Oh, I thought you were going to, come up over the screen, but I, but you back cut instead. And just exactly these types of things that play into that. We're also like offensively being down your two lead ball handlers along with that continuity. You have fewer guys that can create something out of nothing. So to me, I'm really proud of how they've been able to hang in. And I do think that the offense is going to be able to carry the day more once got, you know, once those guys, and even just D'Lo, uh, come back. We started back cutting over plays D in in the game 
last night and these teams that like to press up on us. And that's been something that Memphis not too long ago did this to us and turned us over like 26 times. We had fewer turnovers, especially after that first shift last night, in part because we're starting to back cut. We're starting to run a lot more handoffs. Talk to me about what you're seeing on the offensive end, because we're changing there. Definitely. The team is is certainly changing. I, I, I think this is where the point that you made earlier about playing through AD so much and having him be in the center of the frame offensively um, is structure in in its own way. And it's a different sort of structure than the heavy screen roll element or even just LeBron-centric element that would happen with D'Lo and or LeBron back in the mix. For all the talk about like um, Darwin's offense and the spacing, we have started to see things shift with the new personnel there. They're running a lot more stagger actions for Beasley, a lot more handoff actions for, for Beasley, a lot more split cut action where they're trying to account for shooters. They're putting AD as the lone big, not in the dunker spot a lot to where he would then run up and down the lane line in in Mm -hmm. order to come and set screens, but they are putting him at the elbow and then they're running screen actions around him. So really taking advantage of AD as, as a passer, which is not something that would have been uttered last season or really any season before this one, where um, in fact, like this is a, 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 a side note, I definitely want to get into AD's passing as like a branch of a conversation around sure. him because he's been so much better this season as a passer and he's not really getting any credit for it. So all of these actions, it's not complicated stuff. It's more, and Pete has alluded to this in in our text thread, it's more how you play when your best player is a big man and yeah. you have more shooting on the court than you did before. Like, and I don't want to make digs at players that were on the roster before the trade deadline, but they can't shoot like Malik Beasley. They can't shoot like Austin Reeves and they can't shoot like this version of Troy Brown, who has basically been a 40% three point shooter for so good for a while now. And, and so you get a movement shooter like Beasley, who isn't just a movement shooter, but a guy that like Zach Lowe has described him this, this way. And, and it's great. It's just like, there's movement shooters, there's spot up shooters. And then there's dudes who can like run around at full speed and then stop on yeah. a dime and then just fire up a shot. And Beasley's that last sort of guy. And mm. Sorry, he continue. can sprint into a shot. Yes. And he, he's and, a speed shooter. Shot, I agree with that. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah. get his shot off. And that sort of ability to get your shot off quickly when moving quickly, the defense For sure. has to respect that. And they react to you in a much different way than a dude who has a slow load or a guy who has to yes. spot up. It's yep. just like get his these feet dudes right, are get everything it. set. Yeah, Beasley can get right into his jumper from whatever position he's in. And then these dudes are running at him. Yep. And it's just like, wait, you just ran off of Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's the complete order. opposite gravity of earlier in the season. And so, Mike, it's not rocket science, but the the progression towards this sort of style has been in the works with AD coming back and him getting more aggressive while these sorts of players are playing around him and are empowered to shoot at the rate 
and at and with the style of shots that that they're taking and then you add in some more playmaking from Austin and then Dennis continuing to be aggressive as as a driver and there's just a lot going on offensively that is just different than what it looked like a month ago like even when AD first came back incorporating Russell into this and then LeBron, that's going to be another sort of, I don't want to say like hurdle or anything. It's going to take a little bit of time, but there is a formula here. And so that sort of stuff that we're seeing offensively, I'm super encouraged by all of this stuff. So the, the thing to I want to zero in on for a second is Austin and Dennis and then how that's impacted with Russell coming back and what minutes go where. And the feeling that I've been getting just at in the arena, watching the games and just feeling out how the game is progressing, it's a lot of times I've kind of felt like, all right, need a little bit more Austin in this situation. And and then in the second half, when he's in, and especially late in games, which the Lakers have, for the most part, you know, been able to come to, to win, um, I've felt like he's played a key role. Now, I don't know if the net rating always shows that exactly. Um, I'll, I can pull that up for the last couple of weeks, but just his production for the last couple of weeks has been like simple, right? Just if you, if you just look at the numbers, right? So 57% from the field, making a bunch of threes, 14 points, five assists, one turnover, um, a steal, right? Getting to the free throw line, making 3.7 free throws per game, making 1.6 threes per game, uh, all of that, like living up to the increased usage with efficiency and which is, typically a type of thing that is not easy for players to do even in a even in a short increase there are always the stories of the guys that do it and do it well and they're usually considered for like most improved right if you can both if you can both have your numbers be up but not have it struggle with the the level of efficiency and that's part of the difference for me between like even a Beasley and an Austin where Beasley's attempts are always going to be higher, but the makes aren't necessarily going to keep going up with it. It's just the threat of the mm-hmm. make that makes the yes. defense. But like he can't shoot efficiently with the way that he takes threes because he takes a lot of really bad ones. Uh, and yes. they just some of them happen to go in and that makes the defense react to it. But like Austin, to me, then like he is the better player, like he is the player then that can that can sort of help the team more, even though Beasley happens to fit. The rest of the personnel around it. So, Darwin, of course, is the biggest Schroeder fan in the world, and I think I have a lot of respect for that. Schroeder has earned that trust from Darwin. But as Russell comes back, and then it becomes Dennis and Austin off the bench together. And first of all, it's going to take some minutes away from the two of them, and then some away from Troy Brown. It seems like who's been playing the bigger set of the minutes, and then maybe even a few away from Beasley. So. Let me pose this in the form of a question. What is the ideal mix um, based on what we've seen from how these guys have raised their games? And again, that's specifically talking about Austin mostly, but Schroeder also at certain times. And how does that how does that affect how does Delo's reentry affect those minutes, Pete, in the way that you would like to see them optimally? Yeah, I think right now Dennis is in a role that doesn't fit him on this particular roster. I think that the skies have cleared in a lot of ways when it comes to who's starting, who's coming off of the bench. I didn't know at any point last year or most of this year what our starting lineup was. I I know what that is now. It's D'Lo, Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. I'm talking when everybody's healthy. And so that slots Dennis as the point guard off the bench next to Austin. We got Troy, Rui, and then Bamba. That's our 10 right now. And so we're, I think, structurally more similar to the 2020 team in terms of if either LeBron or Vanderbilt is out 
say, Troy Brown is probably the guy that's going to step in and fill that spot the way that Kuzma did. And so there's less of a, there's a little more interchangeability. And so with that said, I think the back starting backcourt is supposed to be D'Lo and, and, and Beasley. And this whole, like the world that swirls around Anthony Davis, uh, that type of skill and shooting in particular, and, and when AD is this aggressive and angry around the basket, it's really the perfect complement to that in terms of skill sets. And and so that is, I think, works. And then you've got Vanderbilt guarding whoever the best forward is. It just makes sense on both ends of the floor. Dennis is supposed to be leading the bench unit, at least in terms of how I see this team next to Austin. And that's one of the storylines that I'm curious to see play out is that Austin is producing the efficient numbers that you were talking about, Mike, because he's good at the things that lead up to the result. Like He had a side pick and roll with AD uh, last night where – he sets up the the guard defender for uh, he sets up the guard defender really really well right so one of the dances that happens uh on the ball to start out is we're going to set a ball screen the defense knows we're going to set a ball screen and everybody that's involved in that is kind of doing this little dance to get these small positional advantages Austin is great at using fakes and jabs and like a little shoulder action to get a guy off balance, get him leaning one way, and then you take him the other. And this is something there are guard camps and skill camps that just focus on stuff like this, right? Austin's great at that. So he runs this side pick and roll with AD and Memphis, who's a very good defensive team, even with their current personnel, they defend it well, but Austin goes baseline and he hits a little pull up midi off of the glass. And that's a shot that not many guys can hit at that level of speed where you've got Memphis and all of their length closing out to you, the setup and all of that. And so that's a big part of the reason why I've been advocating for Austin on the ball is that he's got all of this skill and craft to his game that I think is a great compliment. And so him not fading back into the shadows to me, Mike, is more of the the main story of this in that he ha- I think him and Dennis can complement each other off of the bench because Dennis goes about he- what he does in a totally different way. And if you've got both of those guys on the floor at the same time and they respect each other's games and know how to play off of each other, I think that's the makings of a really good bench, especially if Troy Brown's the next guy over. Yeah. And so I guess what you're saying is it doesn't Dennis doesn't necessarily have to go into a game thinking all right, I got to have the ball a little bit less in this backup point guard role because we want to make sure to have Austin on the ball that it can just sort of work naturally together. I I think so. To me, Dennis is our DN3 guard or like he's not exactly a three-point shooter in in terms of that, but like he's a good defensive player. He's a good overall player that is, that's more of the role he's supposed to be in. But right now with D'Lo and LeBron out for a stretch, against these big physical perimeter teams like that we beat Memphis I know who they're without but like when Dennis is thrust into that role he's miscast he's not good enough to do that well, and and so yeah. I yeah 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 so Darius the way that I'm thinking about it then is it doesn't like it doesn't have to be this exact right but if if I've got Austin and Dennis on either side of the court I like the idea of Austin being the one that's sort of making the initial read or and then like you know calling up for a screen or having the ball and then Dennis is the one that can just blur by uh, the second side of the defense. But yes, you can, yes. You can, you can invert that too, right? Like Dennis also, it just sometimes it he depends might on the matchup. a little bit. Yeah. And then yeah. he blows by his guy and he's been, he's had some good passing games too. So yeah, I guess it doesn't, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that either one has to suffer. It's just that they're they're going to have a little bit less time to do it. But then if Russell really can raise his game, you know, and then he might he can be a really nice fit next to AD as well with that starting group and certainly next to Beasley and Vanderbilt, who he's played with before. And, you know, with LeBron out, you, you know, again, we would assume that Troy Brown would stay in that spot. And the way that he's shooting now gives that gives even a little bit more space in some senses to if LeBron's in there. And even if LeBron's shooting well, then the defender's just going to back off him anyway. The idea of Dennis and Austin being complementary players is perfect to me because they definitely do go about their business in totally different ways. Both can be second side creators and both can be like strong side creators, but they do it so differently. So, so Austin is... Austin is a guy who loves to go like, I mean, in its most basic form, Austin's a guy who loves to go middle. And Dennis is a guy who loves to go baseline. Mm. The play that Pete was describing where Austin actually did go baseline, Memphis was icing the side screen and roll because that's just a general principle of theirs. But for Austin, especially, that's especially a principle like don't let this dude get middle because once he gets middle, he's very good at sort of drawing contact and getting to the foul line. And he, he's just getting that call now. He didn't get that call a lot last season, but but he gets it now. And so the great thing about Austin is that he he has a great feel for individual shot creation that you don't expect from him because he doesn't necessarily show it as much as we would like him to show it. But this dude was getting like two ball screens a game. And on one of them, every game was like, that was an amazing play. We should give the guy the ball more. So his usage rate in his first 10 games, he was playing 25 minutes a night and his usage rate was 9.6. Jesus. The next uh, games, 11 through 20, his usage rate was 14.1. Games 21 through 30, it was 13. And then it went up to almost 19 for the next 10 games in which he played seven. Then it went back down to 14. And now over this last stretch of 10 games or this last stretch of games, the last six games, it's back up to 18. Darius, let me jump in with a 10 second point on this. I, I was joking around with him the other day. Hey, Go get me the at Denver regular season finale. It writes to 31 points, 60 <laughs> rebounds, 10 assists, seven, seven, 17 shots, 14 free throw attempts. I just think we're we're sometimes too easily or too eager to dismiss a game like that because it's, you know, essentially like a garbage time game. Both teams don't necessarily have something on, on the line, but there there was stuff in there. You know, like there, he, there is more stuff Always. in there. That's all. I just, I, I, so I said it half in jest, but you don't do that in the NBA unless you've got against any NBA players, unless you've got some real skills. He's good. He's good at basketball and he can be a strong side shot creator because he has craft in the pick and roll, which is basically what today's NBA is. And he's got enough sauce in his game as an individual shot creator in in isolation where he shoulders dudes, he gets them off of him, he's good at jab fakes, he's a good enough shooter where they have to respect it. He's got all of the little nuances to his game that matter. Meanwhile, Dennis is not strong, but he has a blunt force tool. Yes. He is like, I am going at you. I am attacking mm-hmm. you. He's got that great, like, oh, I'm t- like, you stop me. I'm turning around now to go dribble back out. Nope. I've turned back around again and I'm going to try to drive by you. It's like his favorite little pet move and it works. 
You know why? Because he's fast as hell. And they remind me, Pete, of of almost like an 80s style backcourt where it's just like, yes, there was a point guard, but like all guards were taught the same stuff because like basketball had been the same almost for like 30 years. And so when you were a guard, you got taught guard stuff. And Austin is clearly a guy who's been taught guard stuff, right? And so it's just like, you're not a point guard, you're not a shooting guard, you're a guard. And you could go out there and do anything that any of these other guards can can do. A comp that I made to him a long time ago was like that he reminds me of Jeff Hornacek, right? Hornacek was point guard sized. He could definitely get you some assists, but he was this dude that just went out there and played his style. I'm actually super excited about what a second unit could like look like with Dennis me and too. Austin. We, we talked a, couple guys a lot. Back. <laughs> yeah, back. We talked a lot about this idea of like Austin and D'Lo playing together, like, oh, skill, 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 skill. But I actually have been liking this Dennis and Austin group because they have these complementary skill sets that aren't that don't overlap so much. And and we have a habit of talking about the offensive end. And focusing on that, Dennis Schroeder and Austin Reeves off of the bench are both, that's an excellent defensive backcourt. And especially if it's Troy Brown, the next guy over, like I said earlier, all of a sudden you are on your way to a very good defensive unit. And in the playoffs, uh, you know, knock on wood, (laughs) uh, in the playoffs, that kind of defense, one of your stars ideally is going to be on the floor and you're on the way to something, right? And so there are plenty of things that we could talk about. I thought Rui had an excellent game. We weren't able to get to him. We, the next game is until Friday, so we'll have we'll be able to uh, discuss a, a few things until then. But we'd be remiss, Mike, if we didn't talk about Powell. Uh, you spent a lot of years with him, man. Give me your closing thoughts on the Powell aspects of tonight. Well, I think if you just watch Pau's speech, uh, you get you really get a good sense of who he is. Uh, and there's this. I always start with Pau, like for somebody that's that nice, there's also plenty of fire in there. And I, I think that those mm-hmm. that sometimes got confused. And, and in fact, I got annoyed because in the media session right at the end, somebody asked him basically implying well, you were, you know, you were kind of like told that you were soft in, in, in the Boston series. But it, the question wasn't in the way of it was like it was a narrative. He implied that Kobe said it to Powell, um, which which did not happen. Right. And so Powell, Powell very calmly and gracefully. People are so says, weird about the Lakers. It's like, well, <laughs> sorry. No, it's like that wasn't because I walked into that narrative like that was the in media day in 2008. It was like, oh, the Lakers are soft, like Powell got his ass kicked inside. And, and like it clearly wasn't that simple. But he like Powell. He is a very prideful man, uh, and and that I think like you don't get to be that great at something without having a, a bunch of competitive fire and will and doing a ton of practice and work and and all that. So I just I always try to emphasize that when thinking about Pow is like he's so gracious and so smart and you know saying things within his speech about trying to actually make the world a better place, like while lovingly holding his daughter um, and like with his parents on one side and his brothers and Mark just flew in from Spain just for this, talked to him on the way out. And like, that's Mm. just the the person that he is and how much he cares about everybody and the connections that he's made. Um, He is, I've never met anybody around the Lakers sphere that doesn't like, Oh man, yeah, Pau's great. And so for like, for me personally, I, in these kind of situations, like I got to go over and, and speak to him briefly but, you know, I, I always try to, to be not another person that he has to go through the whole thing with and just sort of not an appreciation and um, have a uh, but but I'll 
he'll always be near the top of that list for me um, as not just as a player, but as a person and uh, what a, you know, what a great guy. And, and I, I just hope that we get to see him, even if it's once a year, uh, I just hope that we get to see him because it's hard not to have all of these positive feelings coming back. When you see him, you see the smile and you think about all that he accomplished. Just one of the most thoughtful, gracious, like introspective, understanding, knowing people that you'll find in the NBA. And they don't make many like Pau Gasol and the Lakers as an organization, everyone who roots for the Lakers, the fans, the coaches, everyone was better off for having Pau Gasol in their lives during that stretch in which he was a Laker. And one of like two lasting images will lap will forever or multiple, but like the images of him and Kobe celebrating after the 2009 championship in in Orlando and then the images of them in the aftermath of 2010 when they beat Boston and sort of the 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 retribution and the revenge and that feeling of accomplishment those are things that I'll always remember about Pau but you know what I also remember about Pau is him playing on and toiling on one of those bad Lakers teams and hitting that three and celebrating with Nick Young in where he's like (laughs) running up the court with just that smile on his face doing the little three goggles stuff and he was the consummate teammate and when it was time to be great he was great and there's there's few players that I've rooted for who weren't always Lakers as hard as Pau Gasol. Like, and several of them were on that iteration of the Lakers because LO was one of those those dudes as well for me. And 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 so Pau Gasol fan, just like one of a kind. Yeah. One of a kind, truly. In the congratulations videos that we had uh, sent in from his former teammates and different Lakers legends, Meta made a great comment that was basically like, you know, people would say you're soft, but you'd end up getting 16 rebounds. So I don't know what the hell they were talking about. And like, you're as tough as they come. And Meta saying you're as tough as they come and just spitting facts. Like look at Pau's game seven numbers. When Game sevens are always rock fights. They're ugly games. Like throw the conventional rules of basketball usually out the window. Powell was like a 21 and 17 guy with three block shots a game in game sevens. We were three and oh in those games. Like the whole give me one meta saying that you're tough and that you you were out there scrapping and helped me get my only ring. That's worth as many dumb reporter questions or dumb comments in the in the replies, Mike, uh, that's worth more than all of that, man. Yeah. Pau Gasol was a competitor and a winner and just took his rightful place up uh, in the rafters. And we've also just we've grown, I think, in the way that we all understand basketball, too. And and there was that it, there was yeah. a real stereotype about the about not just like Euro, but just skill and it's like skill for mm-hmm. skill's sake. And especially when it came in that context. And I I just think that instead of celebrating Pau's skill and his, and his sort of intellect in the way that he played the game, which by the way, Kobe Bryant had who had more skill than Kobe, you know, now Kobe was Mm -hmm. also tough and he snarled and he kicked your ass on defense. But that meeting of skill was my favorite part of watching those two play. And then when, when they needed to get it done, they would like, they would scrap and they would battle and they wanted to win desperately. But you know, basketball, 
that is what makes it uh, the game itself. I think like that, that manipulation of the basketball and of the defense. And uh, then, then you go and get your, you know, get engaged on the defensive end, but like offensively that the beauty in Powell's game um, is in some of the videos that you edited, you know, you pull out all of the different things that he could do at his height uh, from where he was from the first great, well, not the first great, but there were other Spanish players, but he was the first great one like to actually mm-hmm. get there in the NBA um, after watching the dream team play when he was a kid um, in San Boy, a suburb of Barcelona. And think about that gift. Like we got to, we got to mm-hmm. watch a, another country's best uh, athlete and best player yep. come over uh, and display all of that, you know, for the Lakers. So it, he was a, a true gift uh, once they made that trade. Nice trade, Mitch Kupchak. Uh, that, that one worked out well. And, and, and here we are. Man, uh, Powell, we love you. Uh, thank you for everything that you brought to the the Lakers franchise. Um, shout out to everybody who worked on the night last night. It, it's been a culmination of a between LeBron breaking the scoring record and the busiest trade deadline in team history, and then putting Powell's jersey up. A lot of people have been working hard for a minute. Shout, most of the videos that you're saying I edited, Mike, that's actually Josh and Roe and Khalil and just a, a whole team of really great, just dynamite people. So uh, beautiful night to be a Laker. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Talk some more hoops. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, Unbelievable. the victory. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.